Yeah, my name is Dan Renault, though. I'm the pastor of Living Faith in Lee Summit. And uh, we have just now finished two years as a church. Two years as a church. And uh, it's, it's exciting. God has been blessing his work. It's not my work. It's not our work. We are aligning our hearts with him. He's been blessing his work. Uh, man, we have many people in discipleship relationships, and about 25 people right now are in our Discipleship 2 um, class. And so uh, it's exciting. It's really exciting. God is doing a work. People are getting saved, and people are growing in their faith. I think about Proverbs 25, 11, uh, as we talk about our, our, our conversation today, the creation to Christ, God's unfolding plan of redemption. And, and you know, Brandon uh, said it numerous times that we're kind of going to be speaking about the same thing. He was speaking of Discovery Bible Method uh, yesterday, and wasn't that good? Wasn't that refreshing? Uh, and, and, and it created such an avenue to where people whether lost or saved, can draw closer in relationship to Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to talk about creation to Christ today, which is pretty self-explanatory, I hope. It, we're, we're speaking of a Bible study that begins with Genesis and then ends with Christ. It ends with the cross, the resurrection, and that is the, the primary focus of this study but Proverbs 25, 11, it says this, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. Anyone who's been married a while knows that this verse is true, right? Uh, anyone who has uh, been in ministry for a while or has given counsel to people knows that this word is very true, amen? You know, I, I can have a lot of good advice, but if it's said at the wrong time, it can be actually pretty harmful, and so when you read Proverbs 25, 11, it, it, it means that quite evidently that there are also words. So a word fitly spoken is like pictures of, of uh, 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 apples of gold and pictures of silver. Okay, cool, I got that. So that means then, if we look at that, that there are also words that may not fit. If those are fitly spoken, that, that means that we can say words that are not fitly spoken that we can say words that will be of no profit and will appear out of place. Proverbs 25, 25. As cold waters to a what? A thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Now, we don't have time to go into that, but good news from a far country, there's already something, there's a lot embedded in that statement. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. And so it proves to reason that cold waters in a blizzard are not as satisfying. Right? We're at, we could be outside right now and it's, it's pretty cold. And uh, we could be huddled around and maybe for whatever reason we're outside talking and someone brings you an, a cup of ice water. Thank you. We're good, you know. Isaiah 50, verse 4, it says, The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned. Praise God. Amen. We're a part of churches that, that have a, a sound doctrine. And we don't have the Bible figured out completely. But I do believe that God has given us the ability to, to properly and rightly divide the scriptures. And so 
the Lord God, he has given us the, the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. This verse makes me think of Job's friends. And those guys were spitting knowledge all over the place. I mean, you read Job and it's just like, like stop. You know? and, and, and these guys are saying it out of context you know, to a guy that, that had not done the things that they were accusing him. But, but man, if you guys study the book of Job, it's just like, whoa, these guys are they're amazing. You know, they, they have so much knowledge. They have, God has given them the tongue of the learned. But see, none of their statements, no matter how wise they were, had any direct benefit to Job's situation. So often Christians have great amounts of insight into the word of God, but little of it has lasting effect on the weary soul. Ecclesiastes 12.10 it says, the preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. I think too often we as believers are focusing on the wrong things. We crave, and man, guys, this is just like, uh, this is just a, a drum I keep beating. We crave knowledge instead of virtue. And we long to be wise when God simply desires our obedience. John 1, then said they unto him, who art thou that we may give an answer to them that sent us? Who are you? Because we want to give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? That's the lost world. And the lost world has questions. 1 Peter 3, 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And what does it say? And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I believe the lost world is still asking questions. I believe it from the bottom of my heart that the lost world is still asking questions. And I believe that, that we as the, the church, even the evangelical church, we speak of things as if the, the world is cold to the gospel. And, and we speak of these things and, and I understand where that's coming from and it's, and it's come from my own heart as well. But we, as the world draws away, or, uh, moves away from God, the questions increase. It, it's inevitable. And maybe they don't know where to go because they don't have a shepherd or a guide. But the lost world is still asking questions. But when they ask of the hope that lies within you, as they do in some manner, it might not be, how can I get saved? And sometimes that does happen. But when they ask of you the hope that lies within you, we respond by answering a question that they're not asking. Tell me of the hope that lies within you, and then we answer that question or not. And we answer another question that they never asked. People want to know why you're a Christian. Do you know that? Do you know that? That people want to know why you're a Christian. 
Sure doesn't look like it. That doesn't always, yeah. They want to know why you're a Christian, not who Melchizedek is. People want to know why Jesus, not whether or not Adam and Eve ate an apple or a grape. I'm sorry, okay? Now, I'm, I love to geek out on that stuff too. Anyone else like to geek out on those things? Yeah, okay, I'm in, okay? But here's the thing. What people need, what the lost world needs is they don't need to know who Melchizedek is. They don't need to know whether or not Adam had a belly button or whether or not, uh, I don't think it was an apple, right? That was my Mark Trotter. Did you like that? <laughs> is, is Trotter here right now? No? I'm getting better at it. Okay, so. This isn't. Right, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'll get there. Come back. <laughs> Honestly, guys, all those things and, and those topics, I love to geek out on that as well. It's fascinating. I mean that. But it's not leading people to an answer. You see, the issue is not that the lost world has a lack of interest in the spiritual. The lost world is more spiritually minded now than they have been ever since the age of the Enlightenment. The issue, or one of the issues, is that we are not listening. We're not listening for the questions that the world is asking. And secondly, we are lazy. Yes, we are giving the gospel, and I'll give you credit for that. And, and for those of you who are not, repent of that. and Begin giving the gospel in your life. But let's just assume, which is probably an error on my part, but let's assume that we are giving the gospel out. Yes, we're doing that. But we're doing so in a way that does not reveal to lost man why he actually is lost. We say, you need to get saved. You need to get saved. He says, I'm not lost. I'm not lost. We say, you need to accept Jesus as your savior. He'll say, I don't need to be rescued. You guys see where I'm going with this? I'm not lost. I'm not, I'm not confused. You need to get saved. You need to, you need to accept Jesus. I don't need to be rescued. Thank you. And then we say, well, well, you know what? I, I, I did that and, and uh, he didn't want it. How many times have we thought that? I don't think they, I don't think they wanted it. They didn't want the gospel. So, you know, I'm going to wipe my hands and I'm going to, you know, wipe my feet off and I'm going to move on to the next city and, and we'll claim some spiritual, scriptural reference to support our, our lack. Thing is, is he doesn't even know what he doesn't have. Our gospel witness becomes inept, not because of knowledge, but because we are not considering the questions that people are asking. And secondly, we are not showing a world, a contextualized gospel. As we know in Bible study, context is key. If we keep giving a thirsty soul a powdered donut, don't be surprised when they seem disinterested. It's not that the powdered donut is not appealing. Right? We all know that a powdered donut is very appealing. It's that it's not answering the right question. 
So then how does the gospel become cold waters to a thirsty soul? The answer is found in one word, context. I believe it is our responsibility to provide a contextually sound gospel to the lost world. Not just giving the gospel, but declaring the why of the gospel. Why the gospel? So then today, I'd like to introduce to you an evangelical, an evangelical and equipping study called Creation to Christ. Many of you guys are probably very well aware, and so I apologize for teaching you something you already know. Bear with me. Creation to Christ was first developed as a, a Bible study technique a few years back, and in association with the Discovery Bible Method, which is what Brandon was speaking so eloquently about yesterday. It was intended, the, the Creation to Christ Bible study, do you guys have the, uh, a couple different versions of that? Did you guys get that printed out? Like, there's an abbreviated version, there's a shorter one, which is the one that Briscoe, uh, Pastor Brandon, uh, was uh, using in the college and young adult ministry. Do you guys have a couple of those different models? You have the really long one, you have the abbreviated one, and then you have um, the easy believism one that Brandon was using? Just the, just the 10? Yeah, okay, cool. Sorry about that. I think that was a Miller. I'm, I'm taking credit for that. I think that was Chris Miller. I can't remember. Anyway, that was pretty good, though. So Creation to Christ, it was first developed out of the Discovery Bible Method as, as one of the ways in which to engage people groups that are either unreached unengaged or post-Christian in nation. Now, I think many of us will, will know what unreached or unengaged means, and, and you can look that up if you wanted to look up unreached people group or even unengaged people group. Post-Christian, maybe it makes sense to you, it's where a nation that did have Christianity uh, um, brought to this place, but now it has rejected Christianity, and in some way it's, it's seen even as a foreign entity. Um, many European nations are becoming post-Christian in nature, and I actually think the United States is teetering in that direction as well. But the Creation of Christ Bible study was intended to engage these people groups that have never heard the gospel. The gospel had never been preached. People were not familiar with that. Uh, in, in fact, sometimes the, the Creation to Christ Bible study uh, was done in picture format, in, in ways in which uh, uh, a missionary could come into a place and maybe he or she doesn't even know the language, but well, they'll, bring, they'll bring like posters or they'll draw it out, which is really cool. And they'll, they'll explain to people as best they can through visual imagery. And so Creation of Christ was done in, in a visual way, and, and obviously I, I've given you a, f a few different examples. Um, there's a 10-week study, there's a, I think it's like a 26-week, and then uh, there's even a 47-week, uh, which provides a, a, a big picture of the Bible, if you will, uh, that people are doing as well. The one that I've always uh, used is the abbreviated one, where it starts in Genesis and it ends 
I think the last passage is John 3 uh, as well. So the Bible study is simple in nature. It is essentially a series of passages from the book of Genesis to the Gospels. And the primary goal is this. Okay, this is, my, this is point one. And I think you guys have these notes. I don't really do fill in the blank because I'm not, I'm not able to do two things at once to make sure you guys are like actually filling in the blank. So I just give it to you. Point one is this. Deliver, this is the primary goal. Deliver the complete story. Everyone say complete story. Thank you. The complete story of the gospel to the lost. In that, it seeks to provide a contextual framework for the gospel. Thus, it is answering two questions. This is what the Creation to Christ Bible study can do. And if it's done in a discovery Bible method, it can be just, man, it can be powerful. What are we talking about? We are answering two questions. Number one, what is the gospel? Let's talk about that. What is the gospel? Oh, I know what the gospel is. Don't believe that people do. In fact, creation to Christ is, is working under the presupposition that people don't know the gospel. And that's where we need to begin. Too many times we begin with a thought that people do have some type of semblance or some type of idea as to what the gospel is. And what we need to do is realize that people don't. So number one, the thing that you're trying to establish with this is proving to people what is the gospel. But more importantly than the what, more importantly than the what, we want to determine the why. Why the gospel? Why are you so passionate about this thing? I get it. Jesus died on the cross. Why? To save you of your sins. Cool, I'm good. I mean, this is, this is real, okay? So that. So what is the gospel? Why is the gospel? So that people, and, and, and I please, I hope you don't miss this. So that people are being brought closer to truly understanding the gospel. And I'm speaking of all people lost and saved. You see, the creation to Christ Bible study is absolutely an evangelical model that can be followed, but it is also an equipping agent so that people who know Jesus Christ can do what? Know the gospel more fully. Yeah, I got saved when I was a kid. I got saved in high school. I got saved two years ago. I know the gospel. What this is trying to do from creation all the way to the cross and his resurrection is to say, listen, this is why the gospel so that it's not just evangelical in nature, but it is also equipping as well. And so we are trying to bring lost people and saved people closer to the gospel. For those who claim to be followers of Christ, the Creation to Christ series or study equips us to know more fully God's redemption story. This is why when, when, when I talk about creation to Christ, God's unfolding plan of redemption, what I'm trying to show to the saved is that God has been, uh, 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 throughout time, unfolding his plan of redemption to us. But see, for others, maybe people who have grown up religious, maybe people that did not, possibly they've gone to church their whole life, but have never made the personal decision to accept Christ as their personal savior, 
For this individual, my prayer is that they will come to know Jesus Christ as their Redeemer. And so for the saved, I want them to more fully know their redemption. For the, for the lost person, I want them to be encountered with the Redeemer. And so here is one of the main points of the Creation to Christ study. That at some point, all people will be confronted with the fact, right, that we are sinners separated from God. We are trying to establish this fact. You're like, that's easy. I can just tell someone. I could read Romans, Romans Road. Those, okay, I get that. But what we are trying to do is create a gospel that is contextual in nature to where people can see from creation their debt to a God, to a holy, thrice holy God. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. This is what we're trying to establish in this Bible study. We're trying to bring a context so that people cannot just Okay, I get it. This is what Christians believe. No, I can understand where I exist in this story. Too often, Christians will speak of being saved or being born again, but we fail to communicate what that even means. We use this, th these terms in Christendom that become so flippant to us, and we mean them, but it's because we've developed this this vocabulary that just comes so readily to us that we're not even considerate that there might be an audience that is not familiar with this language. You ever talk to a doctor, right? Maybe you're going to the office and, and, and all of a sudden he or she just starts to pop, 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 and, and what do you say? Okay, slow down just a second, right? It's not that they're trying, but maybe they are. It's not that they're trying to be, uh, you know, obtuse with you. It's not that they're trying to be this, you know, they won't understand me. No, that, it's that they're so consumed with that level of education and, and, and that diagnosis. And so, well, this is what you got. And what do we say? Well, what does that mean? Okay, well, da, 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 you know. how many times have, have you used a word and your, your kid, your son or your daughter says, what does that mean? And then you're thinking, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> I just said it. <laughs> I said it in the right context. I don't know how to explain it. You guys know what I mean? I, I just got back from India uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, you know, translation, and you know, ba da 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 da, you know, and he's like da 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 da, and, and all of a sudden, you know, every now and then you're talking, and he just does this, you know, and you're like, oh man, you know, and I'm thinking, what word did I use? And then he's thinking, like, can you explain it? And you're thinking, no. <laughs> Figure it out. No. <laughs> I'll wait. No, 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 it's just that sometimes you're thinking, I don't even know how to explain this. <laughs> like, how do I explain this, this word? And, and we experienced that. A few of the guys that, that came from Midtown, we experienced that a few times. You know, you're thinking, I use this word every day. How do I explain this to someone who has never used that word? Right? Anyway. So we sometimes assume, though, that that the lost will understand phrases like being saved or being born again, but we fail to communicate what it means. 
Well, I accepted Christ as my Savior at this age. What does that even mean? I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, like, I don't know, I'm not trying to give any of us a hard time. I'm trying to say we have to consider that the message we have is for a group of people that don't know our language. We have to assume that. One of the primary motivations of this series is not only to lead people, all of us, closer to Christ, but it's also to first show, and for, show first and foremost that we are lost without him. You're like, well, I, I can do that. That's easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but this is also, it's a good study. It's a series of passages that begin in Genesis and they go all the way to the cross and his resurrection. And what it's doing is it's trying to establish a way for us to realize who our Redeemer is God's unfolding plan of redemption, which is from the foundation of the world, and now it's being realized in our life, and that, guess what? You're separated from him. And that's why he came. And we're trying to, over and over again, from every different angle, why are there four Gospels? Because they're all looking at the same, the same thing from different perspectives. I could say, wow, I'm looking at... Hundreds of people in this room, and you could say, you're wrong. There's only one person, and he's standing on a stage. Well, no, 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 just turn around. Right? You see what we're doing? We're all in the same room, and we're, we're presenting. the. Pres and so the, the Creation to Christ series, and, and the goal is whether it's Discovery Bible Method in a small group. I'm, I'm looking at Brandon because he, he did such a good job of explaining this yesterday. Whether it's a small group or maybe one-on-one. -on -one at your workplace, maybe with that friend that's in your class, maybe it's with your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your father, your mother, whoever it is, maybe you can just spend some time and say, would you be interested in studying the Bible with me? Would you want to? Because I would love to. There's a, there's a study that, that I've done before, and, and I would love to know if you'd want to be a part of it. And so maybe it's a part of, of a small group, but maybe you do Discovery Bible Method with one other person. Maybe you just spend that one time and, and say, you know what, I would just love to, to take you from the beginning and I'd love to show, show you who Jesus is. I'd love to start here and I'd love to show you why I love Jesus so much. Would you be interested, right? This is key point number one. To be saved, we must first realize we're lost. Uh, you know, they didn't want it. I, I gave the gospel, but they didn't want it. They don't know they're lost. And what, we're, what we need to do is prove, show them that the world is lost without Jesus Christ. How can you, how can I give the gospel and then with such boldness someone go, no thanks, I'm cool. And we're thinking, What? No, you're not cool. You are separated from God. You didn't establish that. You did not establish that. Now, we, again, not every opportunity is going to be even 10 weeks or 26 weeks or 47 weeks. Sometimes it's going to be two weeks, one week. I, I get that. And we're not trying to give some like rigid structure. What we're trying to do is as much as possible, can we as a church, can we as a fellowship of churches, look for opportunities to give a contextualized gospel to show to people, listen, this is where you're at. This is where you are. 
Now, do you want to know Jesus? And so even if they reject, which is their free will, even if they do that, they do that knowing that they are fully separated from a God who is a judge and a right and true judge, and they will be held accountable for their sin someday. Is your responsibility and my responsibility to save people? What is our responsibility? To be obedient, to preach, to share the gospel, to, to, to get, live that life of, of, of a right testimony of a Christian. But guys, I'm telling you, it, we make it so many things and we preach and have all these points and points and follow this point and seven points here and five points to this and all these things. Obey God. When his word says something and you go, whoa, that was great, do it. Right? Anyway, that's another message. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. These are destination passages. These are not the beginning. This is point number two. Without sin, there is no need for a savior. I get it, guys. I'm saying points that, that you guys are thinking, got it, got it. They don't. The lost world does not know this. Without sin, there is no need for a savior. Without man's falling away, there is no need for God's work of redemption and reconciliation through Christ. So when you ask someone if they want to give their life to Christ and be saved, most people have no way to grasp the severity of a question like that. For the lost, they did not grow up reading the Bible. We can't assume that they know the stories. In fact, the creation to Christ series presupposes that they don't know the stories. So let's cut to the chase. Creation to Christ doesn't begin with the cross. It doesn't begin with John 3.16. Romans Road, although incredibly powerful, comes a little later. It doesn't just begin with the fact that Christ died for you. It begins with the fact that there is one true God. We're going to start there. You see, before you assume that they want to honor God, you're wanting to reveal to them that he exists. Do you guys see how so, so many times we can get so caught up in our, in our Christianity, and, our, and, 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 and I'm, I'm not trying to say it as a bad thing, because, man, I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful for the fellowship, but we can become islands when really what we need to be is we need to be messengers and missionaries to the lost world. But then when we get there and they ask questions, we don't know how to answer the questions. And so we answer it with some kind of robotic, you know, like thing that we learned from Ray Comfort you know, or whatever. And that's cool. And I'm not trying to like dog that. I'm just saying we want to follow some script when the Bible actually gave you a pretty good one. So what, this is where we need to start. With the Creation to Christ series, this is where you need to start. Do they even believe in God? <laughs> Secondly, the passages that make up the Creation to Christ study demonstrate fully not only that there is a God, but that he is the creator of man and of, the, of all creation. But then a horrible thing happened in Genesis chapter 3. Man fell away from God. In this moment, man lost his innocence before God and inherited a sinful nature. And so ever since Adam's fall, we have all been born sinners. I'm not a sinner because I sin. I am 
uh, I sin because I'm a sinner. You need to know this from the beginning of time. This is the creation of Christ model. This is the study. Okay? From the very beginning of time, God's plan of redemption for mankind who is lost was found in Christ. And I just want to tell you that story. And I want to tell you that story through Moses. And I want to tell you that story through Abraham and through Noah. And I want to tell you that story through Cain and Abel. And I want to tell you that story through, through Isaiah 53. And I want to tell you that story over uh, Leviticus 4 and the, and the offering of a blood sacrifice. I want to tell you this story and then I want to culminate it with Jesus Christ. And so from every angle we begin to see that God was not crafting his plan... As he goes along, Acts 15, 18, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world, but that God has known what he was going to do from the very beginning. This is what, this is what we're trying to get to with this teaching, with this Bible study format. We want to walk a person through significant parts of the Old Testament so that they can fully see the relevance of God's redemption story, which culminates with Christ. Christ dying on the cross was not plan B if the law didn't work. It was not plan B. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, 5, 6, and 9. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which was given to me, to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery... There was a mystery in the past, which in other ages was not known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise and Christ by the gospel. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, this mystery that in the past wasn't known, Paul is revealing and we need to reveal it as well which from the beginning of the world, didn't start in John 3, it didn't start in Romans Road, from the beginning of the world, it hath been hidden God who created all things by Christ Jesus, by Jesus Christ. There is a story and a plan of redemption and God has been slowly telling this story to us for millennia. And it began, as many stories do, in the beginning. In the beginning. So if this is the case, and, and if the Bible starts like so many other great stories, and I wonder where they got that, why wouldn't you tell it as well in this manner? Simply put, Christ dying on the cross was not some last-minute Hail Mary. It was a well-orchestrated plan. Warren Wearsby says, the sacrificial death of his son was not an accident, it was an appointment. Let's backtrack a little, if you will. Let me ask you a question. Why did God make man? Why did God make man? If you were to look at Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. What must not be lost in this decision, uh, I'm sorry, what must be lost is that a decision of this magnitude carries with it a great deal of significance. What are you talking about? I'm talking about Genesis 1.1. I'm talking about the fact that God decided, he elected to create this universe. We can't escape that. That is completely in tie. It's connected to our salvation. 
The fact that Genesis 1-1 exists, and I, maybe that's obvious you know, because we're here, but the fact that Genesis 1-1 exists should give us great insight into the fact that God has a purpose for us. So before we go any further, and this is the creation to Christ study, guys. This is it. Before we go any further, we must ask one simple question. Why? Why was God, was he just arbitrarily creating a universe or was there a reason? Well, couldn't God just do whatever he wants because he's God? The answer to that is obviously yes. God could do whatever he wants. But when one considers the full character of God as manifest in the scriptures, you will see that God doesn't do anything arbitrarily. Does he? He never does anything arbitrarily. But in reality, everything God does has a purpose. This is key point number two. Our creation comes with great purpose and significance. We were not created on a whim. Okay, guys, I'm, I'm telling you this, but I'm wanting you to see that this is what you are wanting to teach when you're taking someone through the Creation to Christ series. Our creation comes with great purpose and significance. We were not created on a whim, but rather man was created to bring glory and honor and praise to God, the king of his kingdom. This was not an arbitrary decision on God's part. Let's create some context. Revelation 12, verses 3 and 4. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. What's that? It's a third of the angels. We don't have time to get into that, but, but you guys follow that? This is the third of the angels that Lucifer brought with him when he was cast down to the earth. In the Gospels, we see Christ speaking with his disciples in Luke 10, 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. It retells the story of Satan's fall and his prophetic demise. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. In these passages, we see that God's rejection of his anointed cherub is clearly a past tense occasion. Lucifer's sole purpose in heaven was to praise God and reflect God's great image throughout heaven. All glory, praise, and honor were going through Lucifer from God to all of creation. He was heaven's great worship leader. But as Lucifer fell, you're thinking, why are we talking about this? As Lucifer fell, and with him a third of the angels, a great chasm of worship also was felt. Enter stage right, the creation of man. You see, this shows us that man was not created just on a whim, but we are a part of a greater story. We're a part of something much more significant that there was worship and honor and glory being given to our Father from his creation and from a mighty creation it was. The most, this anointed cherub, this beautiful creation of God. Lucifer falls, a third of the angels fall, and God says, okay, I'm gonna make this thing out of dirt that's gonna look like me, and it's gonna bring more praise to me than this angel. And the chess match begins. Right? To effectively give the full nature of the gospel, it is incredibly important to begin with creation. 
Otherwise, the character of God, the purpose of God, the fall of man, and the hope of man's redemption does not make sense. It's like opening a book up in the middle and hoping to make sense of it all. It's like walking into a movie midway through and trying to put all the pieces together. So then the goal of looking through these passages is to be able to walk someone from God's creation all the way to their need for Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. And you can do this sometimes in five minutes. Really? Now, that's not the intended goal of 26 or 47 studies, but, but the point is, is that if we are going to effectively give the gospel... We need to understand where it begins, and it begins at at creation. And so you can do this in five minutes. You can do this in an hour. You can do this in one month or maybe even six months, whatever it takes. But the whole point of this and the whole point of like a discovery Bible method is that we're not just, you know, right away, boom, gospel, right? We're trying to establish a context by which the gospel can be received in our lives, This is a process that leads people to becoming followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm about to drop something on you. You guys ready? This study is not about getting someone in heaven. This study is to reveal to people that God wants to be reconciled to man. In fact, he's desired it since the foundation of his creation. My desire is that I'm not just trying to get people into heaven. I'm wanting people to see fully, and then they have to make a decision, but I'm wanting people to see fully that God wants to reconcile them and that he wants to redeem them, and he sent his son Jesus. I want people to know the full story, and then you know what? I'm going to pray for that person with all I have in me, but I'm going to pray that they receive the gospel. But really, guys, I'm telling you this. I'm not just trying to get people in heaven. Now, do I want people in heaven? Of course I do. But I want, I want not just save people, I want people who become disciples. I want to make disciples, and so disciples are ones who understand the context of the gospel, and then Habakkuk 2.2, when they read it, they can run. They can run with the vision that God has given them. So I'd like to close with this. So many people want to know why they exist, Right? So many people, in fact, end their lives because they believe the lie that they have no purpose and that life doesn't matter. I want to tell you that your life does matter. You absolutely matter to God. If you want to know why you exist, I'll tell you right now. You and I were created for two main purposes. To replenish and expand God's kingdom. And to replenish and expand the worship that was lost when Satan fell. You were made to glorify God. This is the gospel this is the gospel this is why the gospel and so before we even look at the the handout that I gave you and I know we're we're getting ready to close our first session before we consider even the creation to Christ passages what would you consider to be the landmark steps for a person to become a believer I've just listed eight up here and you can you can take a look at these I think I have them listed right so he, these are landmarks. If you were wanting, okay, how could I break this down? How could I break it down into these chunks, if you will, right? There is a God, and he created us and, and this, crea- this universe. 
But man fell away from God, and we are now separated from God's love. But God provided his law, a reflection of his character. But then we failed to fulfill that law, man's inability to live up to God's perfect character. But yet there was a fulfiller of the law, and that was Jesus Christ. And Christ, he died in our place. There was no other way for man to be redeemed. Christ, because he never sinned, by the power of God, rose again and he defeated death. And we could continue on if we wanted. I'd like to say this. If you believe God is specifically calling you to be a missionary, then know this. People do not know the gospel. They do not know who Jesus is. They do not know John 3.16. So when you begin telling them of a person that they've never heard of before, don't be surprised when they say that he can live. So, so we say, he can live in your hearts. And that he wants to be your husband. And he'll be all of these things if you accept him to save you from your sin. If you say that he wants to be your husband and you have to accept him and he wants to live inside you, there might be questions. Oh, and by the way, if you don't accept this husband, you will go to a fiery hell. So there's that as well. Let's keep going. If you just randomly point to different passages in a book that they've never heard of, hey, turn with me to Romans, turn with me to Ephesians, let's go to Philippians, let's go to, and, and, and there's like, okay, I, I've never read a book like that ever before. Do you guys get that? How weird that can look? There was one time a, a girl uh, from, I, I'm a professor, and so uh, we, the college ministry used to be up in, in what we called the pipe room up here, and I, I brought this girl from, from uh, one of my classes, and, and what I'm doing what we do, cross-reference, comparing spiritual with spiritual, and she, she comes from a Catholic background. I, I've never seen anything like that, and I'm thinking like, <laughs> that's how we do it here, right? And, and you know, for, for her, it's like, that was weird. <laughs> that was strange. Yeah, you're flipping around to get your story to make sense for you, right? <laughs> she didn't see it. She couldn't understand. See, we treat it as commonplace. And then we just go into using verses and chapters to support our case. Well, know that that might not be effective. This is how the Bible sounds to a lost person without context. For a non-Christian nation, this is what the gospel sounds like without the context of the word of God. The Creation to Christ series helps to put things in proper context. Now, I'm out of time. I wanted to give a little bit of testimony as a church planter. We have used this, and I'm just going to say it in a minute. That's a lie. We, <laughs> most of you know that. Uh, we have used the Creation to Christ series in a one-on-one -on -one way. And, and, and that's just where, where I've encouraged, even back in Kaya days, hey, start Bible studies. And, and maybe this is something you can use. Okay, just, just start this. Just try it out. Right? We've also used it in our small groups. And, you know, whether it's, and we did do Discovery Bible Method. That's how we did it at first. Uh, and so we've done it in small groups. But I've found, and, and this is just how life is sometimes, that for those of you who might be interested in church planting, this has been one of the most uh, enjoyable sermon series that I've ever preached on a, on a Sunday morning. And I've already, I've already gone through it in, in my small groups before in the past. But think about this. A new church is beginning. 
You're just getting planted and you're bringing the lost in. But every week, you know what you're doing? You're establishing context to show that from creation all the way to cross, there's a savior. And so we have found that it not only is effective one-on-one, although I think that's the initial, that was why it was created, was to have a one-on-one Bible study with someone to show them from creation to the cross. It's also effective in a small group setting. But I've found, and this is just something we've learned, and maybe it can be a blessing to you, that it's a powerful tool for an initial beginning sermon series. It took us about a year and a half. Not really the intention. It's not the intention of creation of Christ. But it took us about a year and a half. And now what what we are doing is our Sunday mornings were evangelistic. Every week they're seeing how God is the answer through Jesus Christ. But they're also seeing those those of us who know the Lord. We're taking notes. And now they're being taught also how to effectively do a Creation of Christ series as well. So anyway, I I hope this was a blessing to you today, and I hope you can see a parallel uh, between what what Pastor Brandon was talking about and what I've been discussing. Uh, This is just one opportunity. The Creation of Christ is just one opportunity, but I do believe it's a really good one. And so let's do this. Let's pray. Uh, Let's... uh, Use the restroom, do all those things, have fun fellowship. I think we're going to try to get back at 10.30. And so that leaves about, about uh, 12 minutes or so. So cool. Let's pray. I love you guys, though. Thank you for the opportunity uh, to preach here. I don't, I don't consider it a, a light thing. Uh, it's, it's an honor. Uh, like Code was saying yesterday, to stand behind this pulpit is, is definitely an honor and a privilege. And so I hope you know that. I love you guys. Let's pray, though, and we'll be dismissed for our next session. Lord, you 